Garbage Into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com and follow along with the Sixers branch of Philadelphia Sports Nation on Twitter at PHL Sixers Nation. You can find Garbage Into Gold on Twitter at Garbage Into Gold. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, Garbage Into Gold is powered by our friends at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their first fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick those family jewels to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for a 20% off plus free shipping offer. All you need to do is insert the code PHL at checkout. Inside Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your entire solar system. Now, we know about the Lawnmower 4.0. I use it. You should be using it. Uh, it's here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and your ear. Get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping by using the code PHL at checkout at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, in this episode of Garbage Into Gold, we'll talk about Joel Embiid agreeing to a Supermax extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. We will give our takeaways from the Sixers' summer league. Talk the latest on Ben Simmons, which isn't too much, and uh, give our take on some of the Sixers players that have received their ratings for NBA 2K22. So thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage Into Gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Garbage Into Gold. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, joined by my co-host, Jesse Larch. Jesse, been a couple weeks. How are you doing? Uh, you know, just surviving what is our world now, trying to take it day by day, you know, find the find the little things in life to make you happy and keep on trucking. What's What's been Damn, making you happy? Damn, was, that was cliche as hell. <laughs> I was just, okay, well, keep to move. Keep on trucking. What, uh, what's been making you happy? Um, hmm. I mean, I have a new relationship, so that's been cool. I'm happy with that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm the Phillies were happy for like a week. <laughs> I admire anybody a... that believed in that winning streak. I mean, was... I didn't think they were going to hold on the first, but it was nice while it happened. Yeah. Like, I was at one of the games when they took first. And now you know, I was there for the holiday game, so that was that was a fun time. Yeah, and now they could very well finish third. They could. Yeah. Um, they got to get their shit together quick. But yeah, yeah I mean, there was a week of that. You know, Eagles football's in the air. I'm getting into my fantasy football mode. So a lot of uh, a lot of mental hours spent trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I have first pick in one of my leagues, and it's a multi quarterback league. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I might, you know, I, I know who I'm, t- I'm taking Mahomes first overall. But then it's the wraparound when I pick round two, last pick, round three, first pick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to go get a second quarterback and then get whatever the best running back or receiver left is. Right. Or yeah. if I just want to go balance and take Mahomes first and then get my running back and my receiver and have someone good at all three spots. So... See how the board plays out, but looking forward to getting to, you know, get dirt, get my hands dirty on that draft. Yeah. See how see how bad my team ends up being. 
I'm excited to watch uh, another East Eagles preseason game via illegal stream this evening uh, oh, down here on. in Atlanta. I don't, uh, I don't get to see those games, but I'm excited. It looks like Devontae Smith will Devonte Smith, however you pronounce his first name, and it looks like he's going to at least get a couple of reps tonight. So that should be exciting. But I'm excited in general for like an Eagle season with very little expectation. I know the expectation will start like if they happen to win their first two games but I'm, I'm excited to see the young guys because I, I think you know as, as a Sixers podcast we love seeing our young guys grow and, and flourish and I feel like I'm starting to get that way with the Eagles too uh, in guys that they draft and, and wanting to, them to, to succeed and everything it's, it's very much a process here you have a lot of unproven talent mm-hmm. you have three first round picks next year knock you know, on wood like, for that third one yeah but, you know, it's a very much the same mentality you have going into a Sixers season where the games don't matter as much as the development that takes place. And then no matter what, there's still that, that light at the end of the tunnel of, you know, the prospect of adding talent through the draft. Where, yeah. you know, it could be a Sixers situation where you keep just not getting the first overall pick and getting stuck with guys like Jaleel Okafor. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, we all know they should have taken Porzingis, even though he didn't want to work out for us. They they should have taken Devin Booker. Well, he went like 11th that year, right? I actually actually did say, like, I wanted Devin Booker right then. Hmm. Just because I was of the belief, well, we already had Embiid and Noel. Why take another big person? Let's take a shooter. Yeah, it never made a whole lot of sense. I I always keep it in the back of my mind that I loved the Hinky era, but a lot of it just didn't make sense. It was just drafting best player available and hoping you hit on one or two of them it was that and i think it was hoping for like a return on investment like yeah i don't think hinky ever planned to hold on to nerland's joel and jaleel i think he always planned to move one or two of them and keep whichever one he wanted most mm-hmm. but it just so happened that like nerland's injuries and then jaleel just not being good kind yeah. of sunk their value there and like I'm not, I'm not saying I wanted Devin Booker as like I knew before anyone else. It was simply the fact that looking at that draft, he was the best shooter on the board, mm-hmm. and he still went probably where he should have went at that time. He was the youngest player in that draft too. Sixers but, drafting shooters couldn't be me, couldn't be them. Yeah, well, it's not them. Yeah. All right. So the big news this week: Joel Embiid. Signs a four-year, $196 million Supermax extension with the Sixers. They'll keep him in Philly through the 2026-27 season. Last year as a player option, that's his year 33 season. So he will be 33 years old old at that time. Uh, Nothing in the contract to protect the Sixers from any sort of injuries. I feel like he's kind of removed from those big injuries lot knock on wood for that one too he's had those meniscus and, and knee ones and that one with his face because markel fultz uh slammed into his face with his shoulder but uh per espn's ramona shelburne he negotiated the deal himself with only a lawyer there who was the same as jimmy butler's lawyer i don't know if there's anything deeper there probably not And she also reported that Joel's uh, meniscus injury that he suffered prior to the playoffs or in the playoffs, oh yeah, against the Wizards, uh, didn't need surgery afterwards. So, uh, Jesse, I just wanted to get your general thoughts on this, you know, looking back on Embiid's career here and maybe a favorite Embiid moment or or something. I mean, it was kind of like an open and shut situation. If you didn't give him the money, like, I don't know why, what you were doing. Um, he's more than earned it. He's proven he's one of the top five, top ten players in the NBA. So I think it was a no-brainer to make this happen. Like, a lot's being made of not having an agent. But, again, like, he signed a Supermax, which is – there's only so much money that goes into that. Like, there's literally a maximum he can get. So he was getting that. So I don't know what else he needed to really negotiate. Um you know, you mentioned there's no clauses like his previous contract had that Colangelo put together. But, I mean, I'm of the similar thought that you mentioned how, like, he's been relatively healthy. 
relatively is the key word, but like he's not missing time in the playoffs. He's not really like the games he's missing in the regular season. If it was a playoff game, I feel like he would be playing. You know, he hasn't had something super serious that's brought up the hauntings of his injuries before he actually got on the court for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the thing that everyone keeps talking about with his injury proneness has been gone for a few years and hasn't cropped up again. It's been different injuries that he sustained. Yeah. Um, and all have been relatively minor. Uh, favorite Embiid moments, I mean, um, I probably have to go with any time he's playing in front of the home crowd and he's, you know, swatting shots, getting to the foul line, doing his, like, the little thing he does with his hands when he like points down at people because he mm-hmm. knows he's got them fouled out again. Yeah. You know, that or, I mean, I'm a big fan of like social media troll Embiid. <laughs> like, I, I want to see more of that. He's really toned that down. And I feel like that's the best Embiid is when he's out there getting into it. And when he made Drummond his son, like, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And now, I don't know, what about you? Now his son is, is on his team. He is. Um, uh, I don't, I, it's just crazy to think, uh, when he was drafted in 14 and we had to go through those first two years of him not playing at all, that we would re- even be sitting here, um, <clears throat> talking about him getting a super max extension. I mean, it's kind of crazy seeing what he's been through with the injuries, with his brother dying in that second year that he was, um, that he was hurt you know, getting to come back for his first year and then tearing his meniscus and still going and playing on national television and then missing the rest of the year. Um, but really since then, it's been quite quite a ride with him. I mean, he's just been so fun to watch. I mean, he's certainly my favorite Sixer and probably a lot of people's favorite Sixers since Iverson. I mean, he's he's definitely passed Iverson as my favorite Sixer. He probably did like a year or so ago, to be perfectly honest. I feel like he just embodies a lot of what uh, Philadelphia is and what Philadelphia fans are, too, because I feel like he he wants the same things. He wants to be surrounded with players that fit his game, which makes the most sense because he's the best player on the team. Um, and, you know... A lot of people will look at him and be like, well, I can't believe he threw Ben under the bus after the game. But the fact is, is that he's the best player. And the fact, like a couple years ago, I feel like he wouldn't have done that, but he's grown into a position where he's considered one of the top 10 players in the league. So he should be able to do that. Like teammates should be able to take that constructive criticism because of how great he is. Um, I mean, he certainly doesn't come without his flaws, but uh, just... His, his story overall leading up to, uh, you know, this MVP runner-up season and everything. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, he had a, his kid the, this past year, so it just seems like life is really falling into place for him. And uh, to see him get this deal, I, I've never met him before, but I, I feel like a happy father. In terms of favorite Embiid moments, uh, I mean, like you said, there's there's so many, especially when he's playing in front of the home crowd. The ones that stick out for me, you know, that Lakers game where he scored 46 points. And, of course, his first game, that first shot that he hit, I mean, he was on the floor with, like, Sergio Rodriguez. So it really does feel like seven years ago. And it was only five. It was only really five. So, um, yeah, tons of great Embiid moments. A lot more to come. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, this takes him through his year, his uh, age 33 season. So I guess my next question to you is, does he play through the entire contract and does he play through it in Philadelphia? I think he plays through the contract. I think he stays in Philly. I don't. I really don't see a scenario of him leaving, especially with the way that they're kind of running the organization right now. Yeah, I feel like he could potentially opt out his final year and sign another contract. Uh, yeah. And then maybe, depending on where the organization is there, he goes elsewhere. I don't think he does go anywhere else, but uh, you, you hear a lot of players that are always just like, yeah, I want to retire with this team. And... uh 
when Embiid says it, I actually I feel like I believe it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's a guy that's even in the Sixers thought of getting rid of. I, I can't see it happening unless something catastrophic does happen. But I do feel like I feel like the injuries he he does experience now are not of like the career threatening sort. And I feel like when he does have any type of injury crop up, the team has done a really good job of keeping him fresh and helping him recover. Right. Um, they've been, they've been so hypersensitive to him that, you know, I think it's, it's paid off. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree with you there. And, um, you know, you have to wonder if he sat and thought about signing this now. Uh, if Daryl Morey gave him an idea of, of what he plans to do with the roster and everything moving forward, whether that has anything to do with Ben Simmons' future, you know, who knows. But uh, I'm just glad to have him beat here for uh, the foreseeable future, for sure. All right, so moving on from the Embiid uh, extension, Summer League in Las Vegas just concluded over the last couple of days. Uh, Sixers finished, I believe, 3-2. and two. Uh, Saw some good things from a lot of players that will be getting roster time on the big team, on the big league. I was about to say big league team, but that's not really the phrase in the NBA. On the Sixers, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, Jaden Springer, Philip Petrusev, really the five really the five guys that at least I was looking forward to watching and, and seeing what they were going to do in this situation. So why don't we start off with Maxi? You know, he, he played a relatively big role at different points last season for the Sixers, uh, got clutch playoff minutes in the Hawks series at points just because of, of Ben Simmons' inability to do a lot of things on the ball. Uh, so Maxi only played two summer league games and then he left for uh, a camp that he was running in Texas, but he averaged 26 points over those two games, five and a half rebounds, four and a half assists on 50% shooting. Uh, he had a 19 point first half in their game against Dallas and a 21 point second half and overtime in their comeback win against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and he certainly seemed a lot more willing to shoot the three pointer just just off the dribble. Um, he you saw I saw some of his videos uh, training with Chris Johnson, who also uh, trains Ben Simmons, and a lot of the moves that you see in the videos that are posted of Maxi are ones that you can see that he implemented in these games. So I was very impressed by Maxi, but I'm not surprised he did this against the competition that he went up against either um i'm just trying to think at this point if ben simmons is back and actually shows up to play which we'll talk about a little bit later on uh, whether he actually gets an opportunity to start or if he's gonna take that spot from shake milton as the first guy off the bench so yeah i think he'll start off the bench um i mean i think going into summer league i was thinking like he might be like he's a second-year guy, didn't get a lot of minutes last year, so I understand why they sent him because like he should have been on the list to go to summer league. But I was also like, he's he might be too good for summer league before they even played, and then he proved that in the first two games, like the two games he played, he proved that he's too good for summer league. Yeah, I didn't realize that he uh, didn't play like there wasn't summer league last year, so he didn't play in it. Yeah, yeah, that's a factor too, but. I mean, it feels weird to say it, too, because like you were just mentioning, he didn't have the biggest role and get the most games played last year. So generally, that's a guy you send back to Summer League in year two, but he still felt like someone that was too talented to be at Summer League. And like I said, I think he kind of proved everyone that thought that to right, or proved anyone that thought that that they were right. Mm -hmm. That was, I don't know what I did on that last sentence. <laughs> um, but, he, I mean... I don't know if we're just hyping him up because he's our guy and like we all believe in him so much, but yeah, he, if he was there, they were probably going to win the whole thing. If he stayed for the whole tournament, mm -hmm. like he was that much of a difference maker for them. And you know, everyone that's doesn't want to get rid of him in a potential Ben deal 
or to bring in another starter to accompany Ben and Joel. Like I've kind of been firm on that. I don't want to move Maxi front because he does feel like the, he's finally the guy the Sixers got late in the draft. That's going to be, if not a star, a very good player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be a cork or a TLC that are just like serviceable. Like he does feel like a guy that can make a difference in games. Are you saying Furkan Korkmaz can't make a difference in games? Because I'm going to beg to differ, but we can save that for another podcast. He, he does lead the team in buzzer beaters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, all I'll games say about... On the line. Games on the line. I want Cork shooting the ball. Yeah. All I'll say, again, about Maxi is that he didn't have that defined role last year. And even with Doc Rivers, I was just like, well, he's not going to get anything other than garbage time. But... Uh, in the opportunities that he got to to start for a little while. I mean, we saw shades of what he could do in that game where they were shorthanded against Denver and he scored 40. You know, that was against NBA talent too. Uh, So I think, for me at least, last year you saw him show steady improvement throughout the year when he played. And when he wasn't playing, he was working on the things that he needed to get better at. And by the times he was uh, playing in the playoffs – he was a far better defender and a far better uh, on-ball guy than he was in the regular season. So he just seems like somebody super dedicated to to getting better. And uh, if summer league was any indication as to the player that he's going to become at the NBA level, I'm I'm very excited. I will say that if we would have to include him in a deal for Damian Lillard, I'd still probably do it with tears in my eyes. Uh, but uh, hopefully, it doesn't come down to having to include him in that but i would assume that it would anyway all right uh the next guy that i feel like you know i'm just gonna say it off the bat i feel like is a bit overhyped uh paul reed in five games 17.4 points 12 rebounds on 55.6 percent shooting uh his last two summer league games he scored 17 points 10 rebounds the game is second to last game he was uh 27 points and 20 rebounds and i feel like paul reed is a guy that people have been talking about a lot over the past year as somebody who could be the backup center for Embiid. Uh, but he's, you know, not, I don't know if he's big enough or, or really has the tools to do so. I feel like it would give them a little bit of a different look because I, I mean, I certainly don't love the Andre Drummond fit. I just don't. So I hope Paul Reed gets like a little bit more of an opportunity to show what he can do, but he just looks very clunky overall. Like his decision-making doesn't seem great. Uh, you know, he's a four-year college player too, so he's not hes not a young prospect. He, he could still certainly get better, but um, I just don't see it, especially on a team with Doc Rivers who just, you know, as we saw, stuck with guys even, even when they're not playing extremely well. I, I would be pretty shocked to see him get uh regular rotation minutes off off the bat even though i do think that it would be beneficial for them to find out what they have in him because as we see his sixers were the one seed but i mean the regular season in a sense doesn't really matter it's it's what you do in the in the it's what you do in the playoffs and we've seen over the past few years that joel Embiid's backups have have not been great even dwight howard who had a mostly positive year for the sixers in the regular season um you know, come playoff time was, was pretty much unplayable. So um, do you think Reed can carve out a, a role on this team or, or no? I mean, I think he's the only true four on the roster. Like Tobias starts at the four, but I don't think he's a true four. Um, and then I'm looking at the bench, like I can't, remember anyone else because mike scott's gone mm-hmm. and that was the only other guy that really played the four so i think there's a pathway to minutes for him um talking about his fit in the nba i mean i see some of what you're saying i don't disagree with you i was saying fit in fit with the sixers especially with their backup unit with drummond i just don't see uh how yeah that and that's in, in that sense that's a much stronger statement too like because he isn't he isn't really a rangy guy. He's kind of going to stay in the paint and stay inside the arc. Um, so in that sense, it's not the best option for the Sixers. But like, as far as is he, 
I, I do think there's a way for him to get on the court. I think it's backing up Harris. Um, or, you know, whenever Drummond or Embiid miss games, he's in line for minutes. The per, the player I think about when talking about Paul Reed, and it's one of your favorites, but I think about Thaddeus Young, who wasn't really a clear-cut three or a four, and Paul Reed's a four and a five, but kind of that, not not the biggest guy out there, you know, not the most polished guy out there, but finds a way to contribute and finds a way to give you strong minutes, um, make it, you know, make an impact on the court between his hustle and just determination. And it seems like Paul Reed might be that type of player. I'm not saying he's going to be on quite the level Thaddeus Young is, as Thaddeus Young's right. been a very good NBA player for a little while. But just in terms of, you know, not he, like Thaddeus Young isn't a guy that shoots the lights out. But he knows his game, he knows what he does well, and he knows how to do the things that he's supposed to do. Um, so I think that's that's where you see Paul Reed kind of flourish. If he sticks to that type of model, I think he can be a helpful player for the Sixers. I, I do agree with you that his play style isn't necessarily what the Sixers need more of, and that's not his fault. I, I think he is an NBA talent. I just, you know, with with how big they already are, you know, they need a little bit of flash and someone that can shoot the ball a little bit. And that might not help him the most. Um, honestly, Petrusev has a skill set that's a little more appealing mm-hmm. for the Sixers, but I, Paul Reed's the better overall player for sure. Yeah. I guess in watching him, even in the summer league, I just, I just, it doesn't pass the eye test for me. And I know I'm not, uh, I'm not really an eye test guy. I certainly like giving uh, guys a chance and everything. And I feel like he would, he would give the Sixers a different look, especially depending on the matchup, as a small ball five. But uh, you know, as a, as a four, as you said, like only true four, as a four who who has shown that he's willing to shoot the three in, in the G league and everything like that. I feel like with how the team's constructed, he's going to need to do more of that in, in order to get minutes. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it. And I could be very wrong, but I just, I just don't see it. It's just a little too clunky for me, a little too clunky a package. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I just don't see the NBA talent. I just don't. I mean, time won't tell, but I do think he's going to get some burn this year. I hope so. I hope so. I'd like to see him do it. I'm not saying that I don't believe in him. I just don't see it yet. So, yeah. All right. Isaiah Joe. He suffered a mild left MCL sprain in the final game against Utah, but prior to that he was averaging 14 points a game through the summer league and shot 37.5% from three. I at least thought over the first two games that he looked really good. Um, you know, he he has the skill set that the Sixers really need, and I think, uh, in a in a perfect world, he becomes a playable backup to a uh, like a Seth Curry. You know, I'm not the ship for me. The ship has kind of sailed on the Shake Milton train. The ship has sailed on the train since that makes sense, but. I'd like to see what Isaiah Joe can do instead of Shake Milton. I, I guess it's just I've seen enough of Shake Milton to to know what he is, and I know he's still a young player and could get a little better. But I feel like Isaiah Joe's skill set and, and being having that reputation as a sharpshooter and everything, they worked him in the pick and roll and put him in a little more uh, a few more ball handling places. Uh, during the summer league and and he looked good like I just want to see him play more minutes and I feel like uh, you know a backup to you know their two or three guard you know coming in for Danny Green or, or Seth Curry could be how they do it but when we start talking about all these young guys Maxie Milton Reed Isaiah Joe who actually does get minutes but I feel like Isaiah Joe out of the young guys not named Tyrese Maxie has the best chance to do so just because of the skill set that he has. Yeah, he's definitely like 
kind of a missing link for the team. Um, and they did bring in some competition with uh, George Niang, and then Cork Moss would be the other shooting specialist off the bench. So he has a little bit of uh, competition there to kind of get on the court. I personally, I'm high on Isaiah Joe. I think I said it after we drafted him two years ago that I thought he had the best-looking shot or the best-looking release in that entire draft. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very fluid, very pure shot, gets it off quick, has a high release point, um, very repeatable, very consistent with it. Like, shooting is not going to be a problem for him. I really think what he needs is just game time. I think he needs to get the confidence. He needs to get adjusted to the NBA speed, um, what it's like, you know, when NBA defenders rotate onto you, things like that. Um, But I thought it was a good summer league for him. I mean, I think he showed what he needed to show. He just needed to show that, you know, I am still the guy that can catch and shoot for you. And he's, you see he's developing his game a little bit. Um, I felt like last year when he did get on the court, he showed that he's not a lazy defender. Yeah. Like he's, he's not just someone that wants to shoot the ball. He's willing to get engaged on defense. And he's not discouraged on offense either. Like if he misses three in a row, he's still going to let it fly. Which is exactly what you want out of a shooter. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, I think, I think the biggest thing for him is just going to be getting onto the court. And once he gets on the court um, with the way the Sixers run that offense, I think it'll suit him very well. Yeah, because it's really predicated on, you know, whoever has the ball draws coverage and then finds an open man. Mm-hmm. So was, you know, catch and shoot threes, I feel like, are definitely going to be a bread and butter for him. And he's I mean, he's got good guys to learn from as far as Seth Curry and Furcon Korkmaz, who are very good catch and shoot three shooters um, and Danny Green as well. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like he has a tougher path to the court than even Paul Reed does. Yeah. Just because of where the Sixers have kind of built their depth. It's a lot of players with similar skill sets to him. Um, and I do want to see him get on the court and get minutes and see what we have in him. I just don't – I don't think his minutes are as guaranteed as Paul Reed's at this point. Yeah. All right. Two more guys to chat about. Uh, so we have the Sixers' first-round pick from the 2021 NBA draft, Jaden Springer. Still 18 years old. I think he's turning 19 in September, I want to say. The final game against Utah, he scored 21 points on 8 for 14 shooting, but but overall was kind of lackluster and uneven, especially offensively uh, for the majority of the summer league. You know, he just uh, looks very raw, and I feel like that's expected for an 18-year-old kid getting his first uh, feel of what the NBA is like. I feel like I was very impressed by what he showed on the defensive side of things. I feel like his defense is is already at the level of of an NBA level defender. Um, you know, when I when I look at his defense, you know, the first thing I think of, obviously, with all of this Simmons stuff going going around, I feel like, you know, you draft a guy like Jaden Springer who looks like a little bit of a project, but if you end up losing Simmons and Thibel and a potential trade to get you know, Lillard or, or whoever, I feel like Springer can, can grow into that job as a, um, as a perimeter defender. I think, I, I think that he still has a long way to go and is likely going to spend the majority of his time in Delaware with the G league. Uh, you know, I was, I was underwhelmed. I would have liked to have seen more, but we're far from the days of, you know, the Sixers picking top 10 and needing to see, 20 plus points a game from their top picks. So I'm not uh, taking too much stock in, in what I saw from him, but uh, you know, I feel like he just seems like another young player who's eager and motivated to, to get better. And if he stays on that track, like, like Maxi is, you know, taking those 600 shots a day, like he was last year and, and really just getting to work. I feel like he'll be in a good spot, but it's too early to tell for me as to what, what he's going to project to at the NBA level. And I, and I don't think that he gets Sixers minutes this year, unless it's, uh, you know, unless they, they get really injured. Yeah. I don't really see him getting on the court too much this year either. I think all you wanted from him in summer league was to kind of get his feet wet, start learning the team's schemes and just go out there and start getting comfortable. Um, 
Uh, I mean, the last game finishing on a high note like that shows that he did get some level of comfort. Um, it'll probably help his confidence going into camp, you know, to finish like that. You know, I mean, everything you said is that was the exact scouting report that we got on him on draft night. Said he's a great defender, high energy on defense. He can step in and defend right away. The offensive side of the game needs work. Um, so that's where you expect the team to coach him up and get him ready to go. And then, you know, he feels like a guy that when we see him in summer league next year should have the type of summer league that Maxie had. Not Maybe not quite to the extent scoring-wise Maxie did. But he should have summer league next year where he is clearly one of the best players on the court. Yeah. I think, I think he'll – think... Sorry. Go ahead. I think what you're hoping from from him is he's clearly a long-term, pr- a long-term pick. So, you know, you just want to see that development continue. You're not asking him to do a lot this year. You're, you drafted him for the player he's going to be in two or three years, not for the player he is today. Yeah. And, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what sort of minutes he gets in the preseason, if any. Um, I, I hope we do get to see him in the preseason or if the Sixers do that, uh, you know, blue and white game that they did for a couple of years. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what type of player he he turns into. But again, just just very raw um, and everything like that. I didn't and, and I didn't really have an issue with the pick either. I feel like anybody at, at number 28 on a team coached by Doc Rivers that was just the number one seed that that wants to contend for a title. I don't think anybody was going to come in and, and get immediate minutes. So I don't have a problem with them, you know, having picked him in the first place anyway. So yeah. And uh, the last guy, I don't really have too much to comment on this. Philip Petrusev averaged 4.3 points and 2.6 rebounds through the summer league. Nothing great. You know, I was hoping to see a little bit more when it came to him shooting from beyond. Didn't see that much. Uh, He looked really good on defense uh, and rim protection. Blocked eight shots over the five games played. Uh, I believe he said that he wanted to come over and join the Sixers this year, but uh, instead he will, yeah, I believe he signed a one-year deal with uh, FS over in Turkey, which uh, is where both Korkmaz and Dario Saric have played when they were stashed overseas as well. So, you know, that's it's a very competitive environment over there, and I feel like that'll be good for him. Just get up as many shots as you possibly can and, you know, he was the Adriatic League MVP this past season, so he definitely has the talent, and I feel like his skill set is definitely uh, something that the Sixers are in dire need of when it comes to, to bench help. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the the archetype of player that he is, where, you know, a, a big stretch for... Um, I mean, I didn't expect the level of defense he showed with the rim protection and stuff like that. I was expecting someone just to kind of get behind the line and jack up shots. So it was nice to see him actually, you know, show that there's a little more to him than was advertised. And I think I said on the last episode I was with you for that he was in the conversation as a first round pick a year ago before he went overseas um, when he played at Gonzaga. So. You know, this is a guy that has upside. It's really a value pick, and he is a guy I want to see more of, but it is probably best for him to go overseas right now just because of how, how many contracts the Sixers have on the books and things like that. Um, but he he is an interesting interesting prospect where, you know, if he comes back, he's able to shoot the lights out like he showed he can over in Europe, and if he has this defensive edge to his game, he might actually be, like, the answer we've all been waiting for. <laughs> in terms of like an Embiid backup or something like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I'm kind of excited to follow an overseas player. It's been a while. It's been far too long since I've been able to do that. Um, so, yeah. the uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I feel like every other Sixers podcast has done so. But, you know, it's, it's the talk of the entire summer with Ben Simmons. <laughs> did you uh, did you see the tweet or the um the instagram that chris johnson put out the other day with ben simmons and like the pick and roll and it was like no other point guard can do this and i was just like oh oh my god just make it stop so this uh this past week 
Woj reported that the, the Minnesota Timberwolves remain interested in acquiring Simmons, and that was followed up by the Athletics' John Krasinski. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Sorry, John, if you're listening, if I butchered your last name. Um, but he reported earlier today, which is Thursday the 19th, that the Wolves and the Sixers remain in discussions about Ben Simmons, but a third team would mo- almost definitely have to be involved to get Philadelphia what they would want in return. You know, looking at Minnesota's roster, there's just there's just nothing there. I, I don't have any interest in D'Angelo Russell. Minnesota's not going to trade Anthony Edwards. So, I mean, it seems like uh, a lot about nothing. I, ju- I just don't see it happening. It's just unless the third team is Portland and uh, Portland gets a lot of the the other stuff and it, and it ends up being a Dame deal, then maybe it happens that way. But I just uh, I just don't see it happening. You, you and I have talked back and forth about whether we think he's going to show up, not show up when he's going to get traded. So I just kind of wanted to get your general thoughts right now when, if at all. Does he get traded prior to the season, prior to the trade deadline or next off season? And do you think he actually shows up to camp? I don't think he gets traded. I think he shows up to camp. Um, you know, everyone's saying like, Oh, Rich Paul already said he's gone. It's like Rich Paul would have like made a public statement by now. I feel like, like the way it all came out, didn't feel like the way Rich Paul normally does business. Um, so I think there's a lot of, like, like you say, like where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm sure there's a little bit of truth to it, but I don't think it's as like severe as are making it out to be. Cause it really doesn't feel like the Sixers are stressed in this situation. Um, it doesn't seem like a market's developed because of how stringent the Sixers have been. Like they came out and said right away, like we want incredible draft compensation and a player and no one's going to do that. And that's where we've been ever since. Um, so I don't think the Sixers feel like they have to move Ben. I feel like they position themselves from the beginning as a team that's open to moving Ben, but they're not going to move him for scraps. They're going to get something that they think is equal value or more for Ben Simmons. I don't see any team meeting the asking price. So I think in that sense, he won't get moved. And I just think Ben is not the personality to conduct the holdout. People like to paint him as his diva and everything else, but really he's he's a quiet guy. Like he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. So it doesn't feel like the type of move he would make. But I mean, crazier things have happened. I don't I don't look at him as a diva. I look at him as a guy that would like more privacy than he gets. But because he plays for Philadelphia, he's always in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I guess can't, the guy can't go to a tennis match with his girlfriend without getting ridiculed. Yeah, the uh, I guess my my response in, to what you say about him, I think there are diva parts to him. I don't think that he is a diva. I feel like he's in he's a little entitled. I guess would be the word that I would use. Um, as an NBA player, I guess this is kind of. In, in simple terms, what you signed up for, uh, from my viewpoint, that's kind of how I see it. And when, when it comes to holding out, not holding out, you talk about like him not being a, a dramatic guy or somebody to create a scene, but I feel like it's already a scene. So I feel like he's reporting to camp and then having to answer all the questions from the reporters anyway is going to be sort of a disaster. Maybe it won't be. But I don't I don't feel like it's a scene that he did anything to create, though. Yeah, I because like, it mean, all started with Embiid's comments at the end of the season. No, I mean, with, it all started Rivers, not with Doc Rivers, not committing to him. It all it all started when when he decided that he did not need to improve his his game to become a better NBA player. That's when it started. All of the other stuff is a result of of him, in my opinion. And I think he's okay, a tremendously talented I'm saying, basketball I'm saying, player. I'm saying the trade speculation. Oh. I'm saying the trade speculation all came stems from Embiid not backing him and kind of calling him out. Rivers not throwing his support behind him when he had the chance to. 
I mean, Rivers threw support behind him entire season. I think the trade rumors are specifically from the fact that we've tried this how many times and it just hasn't worked. You know, even in this playoffs, a lot of the blame is on him. Yeah, it's him and Doc that take the most blame. And Doc was was really the enabler for the vast majority of the season saying, you know, you guys still talk about a shooting and, you know, we'll focus on what he does well. So, I mean, he's enabling the exact thing that shoot that's helping shoot us in the foot for the past, you know, two of the three last postseason. So he didn't play in the bubble, but I think this is just a culmination of everything to this point. Um, yeah. So I just feel like, you know, whether, whether he believes that he wants to report to camp and, and play and maybe increase his value. I, I don't really know. I, I would be very surprised if Rich Paul didn't, recommend him to hold out because i just think the relationship uh i forget i think it was jake fisher uh who reported that the relationship between him and doc you know is is not great certainly wasn't great after the season but again with it it all comes down to his play for me everything is a result of, of what he's done on the court or has not done on the court and so i think we've just gotten to the point where if he shows up to training camp, it's going to be a story. If he doesn't, it's going to be a story. At this point, it's just a matter of time before he gets traded. I do. I personally believe that he's going to get traded prior to the trade deadline. I'd be pretty surprised if he gets traded prior to the season. I think the Sixers are holding out hope that he comes and plays uh, and shows his regular season value that he showed over the past, you know, ever since he's gotten here. And... Um, you know, just just try to up his value from there, and ideally, Portland starts off shitty and uh, Dame asks out. That's that's the ideal situation, but it could certainly work out. And uh, I feel like I've said the word certainly eighty thousand times this podcast. It's my new word that I use in every conversation. But I feel like it could go down that road of another Philadelphia failure, where he holds out and uh, in that way kind of forces his way somewhere else and his value just stays what it is. And the Sixers, you know, just end up getting draft picks and like maybe a, a young player. Ideally that doesn't happen, but yeah, I'm all ready for it to be resolved. I don't want to see him in a Sixers uniform again, Jesse. I just don't, I just don't, I can't do it. I don't know. I feel like the fan base has turned on him to the point where it's like they have their pitchforks out. And like, I feel like they've done as much to get him to get the trade speculation to this point that it's like, yeah, like, it's like Frankenstein. Like, don't get me wrong. He needs to work on his game. And personally, I think the best scenario is to move him because I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's ever going to hit his potential in a Sixers uniform. But I also, like, I, I understand where Daryl Morey is coming from that. You're not just going to give him away for scraps. Oh, right, yeah. Like, and what you're saying is that's where it's going to end up, but at the end of the day, like, he's still, that's like he's the still worst, obligated to the Sixers. The worst possible scenario would be the typical Philadelphia scenario of luck, I guess is how I would label it. I don't think that happens, but I wouldn't. it w- also wouldn't shock me if it did you know, get to that point where they're just like, okay, this has become completely toxic, whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that they're going to get like what Mar- Markel Fultz got, got in a trade. I was just saying worst possible scenario, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I'm never of the, I'm never of the mindset that like the fans have, have brought it to this point or anything like that. I mean, with the amount of support that people have, have given him through his entire time here while he stayed the same offensive player, the level of support that Markel Fultz got when he was here while he was going through his whole thing. So I feel like it's, it's time to shit or get out of the kitchen or whatever that phrase is. You know, if he comes back, come back better. It's, it's, it's shit or get off the pot. Shit off. Good. Yeah. All of my metaphors are off right now, but yeah, I mean, you, we can talk about the fan base all all that we want, but I know where you and I stand on this. And I feel like going into the last two seasons, I've been of the thing where I've either, either been close to out on him or like, okay, I'll give him one more chance. And now I'm out and I don't want to give him another chance. So that's where Understood. I Understood. 
Understood. All right, so the last thing, very, very short here. Uh, we, we got a couple of ratings in for the Sixers on NBA 2K22. Um, yeah, I'm still playing 2K21, and gosh, Ben Simmons is one of the hardest players to play with, I will say. I will say he's very difficult to play with. So the I'm Sixers, really good with him. The Sixers, I mean, are you, what, what level are you playing on? Rookie? I don't know. Come on. I really don't know. <laughs> so Joel Embiid listed as a 95, uh, which is the same as Kawhi Leonard or Nikola Jokic. I think he's only behind Curry, Giannis, Steph, uh, Curry, Giannis, LeBron, and Durant. And yep. then he's above James Harden. So do you think that's about right? A little higher, a little lower? Or accurate? I, I'm fine with him in that category. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I am too. So Tobias Harris listed at an 87. I don't know other players that are an 87 right now, but for comparison, um, Ben Simmons is an 84. So Tobias Harris, 87. Is that too high, too low? Or just right. Feels a little high for Tobias. So other eighty sevens that have been released. Zach Levine is an eighty seven. Zach Levine's better than Tobias. Demona Sabonis is an eighty six. Drew DeBonis. Holiday an eighty five. So yeah, I think uh, eighty seven is just maybe a hair high. Yeah. I think an eighty five might be a good one for for Toby. I th- I think. Um, we'll say the next one, and then I'll say what I think they should be. Ben Simmons in 84. You know, even for all I say about Ben Simmons, I think that's a little low. Yeah. I think him and Tobias should both be like an 86. Yeah. I understand why Ben is an 84, just because offensively there's just nothing other than transition. But, yeah. Matisse Thibel, a 75. I feel like that's a little bit low. I don't think that he's 80 potential just because he's a very unpolished offensive player. But uh, yeah, I, I could see like 77 or 78. Yeah, it's hard to gauge when like, like a 75 a bad rating. You know what I mean? I think it's middle of the road. I feel like that's probably where... That's, that's like, part of the thing too with these video games is like every year the scale shifts. I feel like it's where around like Korkmaz would be around 75 ish. Yeah. I feel like the Sixers didn't get a whole lot of respect. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Curry is going to be listed as like, I think Curry, uh, I think Curry like last year was in the high seventies. So really? Yep. 77, I believe. That sounds low. So, All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, We're only a couple weeks away from training camp, so these podcasts will begin to pick up as the season gets closer. And, Jesse, it was announced uh, earlier this week, maybe, or over the weekend, that uh, the Sixers will open their season on October 22nd, which is my dad's birthday, against the Brooklyn Nets at home at the Wells Fargo Center. Jesus Christ. So they do not get a Christmas game, which means we'll probably get the inevitable New Year's game where they play, you know, Detroit or something without Joel, like it has been the last six years. See, I was thinking about trying to get home opener tickets, but I don't want to go if they're playing Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, and one. Tally it up. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Garbage into Gold.